might be about a five or ten minute message on the recording today if anybody listens to that. I just now noticed. I had one part on, but I didn't have the on red button on. So, anyway, anybody who was out there that wanted to hear that message, um, sorry you weren't here today with us. But we will uh, finish the last couple of verses or so. We are at Mark 9, verse 36 and 37. Did we just read that 1045? For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. That's the theme verse of Mark. Here's the servant. Here's the slave. He came to give a ransom. He paid the price. He died on the cross for your sin. The price was paid. The Father was pleased with the payment. The atonement was done. This is about the atonement. This is about serving. This is about being a slave. Now, you know what? We're still not getting it because the disciples aren't getting it, but we're trying to get it, aren't we? We're trying to learn. We need an illustration. And so he has a little kid there taking a child, an infant or somewhere there, or a toddler, and some say a little boy, taking a child, he set him before them, taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. The illustration. Jesus gives the principle, which we've just been talking about, and now he says, uh, look at this. Okay, you don't get this. Check this. Child has no status. Matter of fact, he's on the lowest end of the whole social order. He is totally dependent. He is little. He, his needs uh, are, are much. Uh, he totally depends on somebody to take care of him. He's very needy. This child really has no power. He has no achievement. He has no accomplishment. No money. And if he even had the money, he wouldn't know what to do with it. Probably eat it or something. The child is weak. Uh, he's not great. He uh, is vulnerable and has nothing really to offer except he needs food, needs to go to the bathroom, needs sleep, basically. And and it's going to be you that's going to take care of that if you're the parent, right? Um, Become humble like this little child. Totally dependent upon me. He's not anyone who has power and achievements that he can say, look, I did this and I did that. He can't, there's nothing he can really, he can't even really voice all that. Now, I think we can understand that. Um, but when he says to be, you know, when you think of people will say what's well, talking about children are humble. I don't think that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. They are needy. Uh, but anybody that would think that little children are humble, humble are either bachelors or absentee fathers. Because we know they demand a lot. And they are very selfish. That's just part of the nature. Just ask a parent. Or think about it. You know, that's the way kids are. But the, you know, as they're trained up, and it takes years to train them, right? We see that more and more they get rid of some of those things. Um, by nature, their temperament is, is not humbleness. So why does he say this? Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. 
receive Christ. It's the idea, you must become like me who embraces little children. Little children who are regarded sometimes as people as being worthless. We know they're not, but we know they have a great value. But at that moment, there's really not anything they can really do outside of being cute, you know? Little children of, of no great value, he says, and look at me, look what I do. Look, you have to receive these people who, who don't deserve it. Didn't James talk about these kind of people? James chapter 2. My brethren, verse 1, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dress and fine clothes, and there also comes a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who's wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or, or sit down by my footstool, Ah, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He promised to those who love Him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? If, however, you're fulfilling the royal law, according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Anyway, the poor, the disenfranchised, the rejects of society. If they happen to come into church, what do you do? Do you make them feel welcome? Or do you just pass on by? Right? Ministry to the widows, to the orphans, James talks about. That was the context of the first century. That's, there was many that were that way. People of great need and enormous needs. Do we receive the people who are needy? Well, if I don't say anything, then I won't have to do anything. But we know they're needy. You want to know what true greatness looks like? It's somebody who gives and gives and gives and doesn't expect anything in return. How you treat another believer, what Jesus is saying here in Mark 9, how you treat another believer is how you treat who? Jesus Christ. Right? How we treat somebody else is the way we're treating Christ. Do you guys get that? Wow. Think the disciples get it? No. Do we really get it? Maybe not. But maybe. He's asking a lot here. This book of Mark really is convicting, isn't it? You see, it really is in action. It puts us in action. This is serious stuff. You want to be a part of the, the army, part of the kingdom? Start marching. Do it. You've got to start changing the way you think. Verse 37. Instead of thinking you're better than everybody... You've got to become a servant of everybody else. Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. Whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. You're really talking about Father Himself. Realize that every other believer is a child of the Father. Matter of fact, unbelievers are still 
ones who were created by God. And you don't even have a right to treat them badly. In fact, even more so, you want to treat them with grace. Man, Jesus. How can I do that? Well, I don't know. But I think it's very interesting, this next section. I had to tack it on here. You have John, a son of thunder. Wasn't that perfect timing? (laughs) Thank you. says in verse 38, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to keep him from, prevent him because he was not following us. Son of Thunder, James, John, Boanerges. Me and Zach have always had a good one with that one. Boanerges, sons of thunder. Jesus just called down fire from heaven like Elijah did. I know you can do it. Hey, I'll tell you what, Jesus, let's just torch the place. Let's do it. (laughs) James and John, man, powerful. Jesus, no. That's not what we do. What happens with pride or your selfishness? Eventually, you become exclusive. You got your own little club. There's nobody else in it. Us four, shut the door. Us four, no more, shut the door. Right? Jesus, this guy wasn't one of us. See, we're the group, we're the club, we're the team here. This guy's out there doing stuff. He didn't say it, but we couldn't do. <laughs> you remember it? Couldn't cast out the demons? What do you have here? Oh, this is humbling. This guy was casting out demons. Isn't that incredible? He was doing what they failed to do. But Jesus, this is our department. <laughs> Isn't one of us. You know what? Disciples had a spirit of rivalry amongst them inside the group and to people definitely on the outside. They are narrow. They are self-focused. They are rigid. Somebody said that this is just mere conjecture and it would be interesting to think about, but wouldn't it be something if it was the guy in Mark 5, the demoniac? Remember him? It's actually the two guys, right? They were so possessed, totally controlled, and I mean, they nobody could handle them. They couldn't put chains on them. They'd break them. And then the guy became a Christian. Wouldn't it be something if, that, if it was that guy? I don't think it is, because I think the disciples might have uh, recognized him. But it might have been somebody that Jesus had cast out demons from, you know, of all the ones that he had been doing. And they couldn't recognize all those faces. Who knows how many? By the thousands. And this guy is doing it. Boy, the disciples were competitive. They certainly wouldn't want somebody outside of the group to be doing that, even though they're doing something good. (laughs) And so, this is the way I take it here. Or, uh, somebody stated this. I I tend to think what I just stated I, I feel better with. 
But it could be this. John's feeling so convicted. He says, Teacher, I'll tell you what we did. And I want to confess to you that there's somebody casting out demons. You know what we told them to do? To stop. Maybe. I... I don't know if that would be it or not. It's a possibility. I, I kind of think of the other one. They're not getting it. John, and this is John. This is Boanerges here, you know. And there were guys like Whitfield out in the coal fields preaching to people who were dirty. They were people that were drunkards, people who were the low lives of England. And he'd go out to the fields to them and preach to them by the hundreds and hundreds out in the coal fields. Get it? Whitfield was not supposed to do that. According to the church he was in, and you can think of the Church of England, nobody does that kind of thing. You don't, you don't preach outside the church. And there's no churches outside our church. We're the only one. And anything else is you'll get hung for it. And Whitfield kept preaching. Outdoors. Whitfield, the amazing evangelist. But the church didn't want to accept him because he's out there doing that. They didn't want to accept John Bunyan either, did they? Oh, they shut him up, put him in jail, and he wrote one of the greatest books ever. And I say greatest because it's right underneath the Bible in sales. (laughs) Still sells today. And all of us are familiar with that uh, book, Pilgrim's Progress. Well, Jesus has some instructions. Don't hinder him. Don't, don't stop that guy. That's really what he's saying. Jesus said in 39, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle. My name be soon after to speak evil of me. This guy's doing it. He doesn't say who he is. If, if he's for us and he's not against us, He's for us. If Christ is being preached, right? There's another story, and I need to shut this down. Turn to Numbers 11 real quick. I think this is is really interesting to think of, uh, and, and and we'll be done here with the message. Numbers 11. I'm just trying to get the people who might be listening on the internet just a few more minutes, and they'll say, "Oh, that was an easy message today. We had 15 minutes on it." And okay. Uh, what happened to Dennis? Numbers 11, 26 to 29. And this is when Moses and the 70 elders are getting together and actually they're experiencing the glory of God here. Okay? But two men had remained in the camp. They didn't go up with the others. The name of one was Eldad and the name of the other was Medad. You like that? Eldad and Medad. That's pretty good, right? And the Spirit, look at this, rested upon them Now, they were among those who had been registered, like the other elders, but had not gone out to the tent. And they prophesied in the camp. They preached in the camp while the other ones were gone. So a young man, there's always somebody, has got to be a tattletale. A young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and me, Dad, you know what they're doing? They're prophesying in the camp. Yeah, get them, get them, get them. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, and usually you think well of Joshua, but he goofed up here too. The attendant of Moses from his youth said, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. Restrain those guys. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put His Spirit upon them. 
Then Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Israel. We're out of time, and I think that pretty well says it all. I don't really have to say anything after that, do I? I mean, that is obvious. Humility, how do you find it? And what do you do with, with people like this? Those who have a cup of cold water for the sake of Christ, they will not lose the reward. It's not against us, it's for us. Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because your name is followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward for the sake of Christ. You know what? We cannot look down on the disciples because we too battle prestige. We battle pride. You can say, no, I don't think I do. I, I never had that problem. Well, you just have a problem right now. Because yes, you do. We are righteous in our own selves. Thank the Lord that we're found righteous before the Father's eyes because the righteousness of Christ has been put on us. Jesus does not abandon this group. You say, well, okay, that does it. He, he ought to have enough of those guys and get away from those guys. No, He's the Master of grace. He is grace. And look at this. This is how we are to be when people just don't get it or they don't deserve it. He doesn't send them home. He says, guys, that's enough. Go on. Go back to your fishing business. I'm moving on. I'm going to Jerusalem. He's merciful. He is forgiving. We tend to be rebellious. We need His grace. You know what? You are an example of God's grace this morning. We are privileged people and blessed. Highly blessed and highly favored. (laughs) Because even when we do stupid things and say stupid things, the Lord loves us just like He did from the, before the foundation of the world. He has never changed His love. Aren't you glad His love doesn't go up and down? He doesn't ever love you less because you've done something bad. And He doesn't love you more because you did something good for His glory and honor. He doesn't love you more. It's always the same. The perfect love. What great love. And you know what? He came into our pride at one time. He entered into that and He took it away as far as God is concerned because we had, we realized we needed to repent, ask for forgiveness. We were humbled. And it's an ongoing thing. He doesn't treat us as we deserve. Thank You, Lord. Your grace is so good. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this lesson on humility. And may we ever be mindful of who Christ is And thank you so much for the great blessings and the eternity that we wait for we will never be prideful again when that happens. Keep stripping it from us so that we can give you glory. In your Son's name, Amen. Just a few minutes here for our Lord's Supper.